All right. Well, to start, what fueled your move in 2001 from your position as COO of Toronto General Hospital to joining Spectral Medical? Well, prior to that, prior to the COO, I had been uh, chief of surgery, well, first chief of critical care for the University of Toronto, and then chief of surgery for the University Health Network, which is three large hospitals. So I did that job for almost 10 years, and in Canada, it's a 10-year job. So they then appointed me the chief operating officer there, which I did for a couple of years, but I did take a sabbatical. I went to the Harvard Business School, and so it was a combination of that, plus the fact that I've been working with Spectral previously, and I had intellectual property that a colleague and I had developed within the hospital, and we decided to commercialize it. So basically, I'd done everything I wanted to do in medicine, and I had this opportunity to do something a little differently, which was to commercialize something that had been, that I at least had been partially responsible for developing. And as a specialist in endotoxins and sepsis, why is that such a specific, important issue to confront? Well, endotoxin is a particularly interesting molecule. And, you know, I think if you look at my CV, you realize I also have a PhD in biochemistry. So, you know, the, the chemistry of this I found fascinating. Mixing that with what I saw as a clinical challenge, and that is in patients that develop sepsis and the sepsis organ dysfunction, but have no culturable bacteria present, you basically have nothing to treat them with because antibiotics don't do anything for endotoxin. And a lot of patients in, in the later stages of septus and septic shock have no bacteria that you can culture and therefore treat with, with specific antibiotics. And these patients have a high chance of dying. So I felt it was important to, first of all, understand the role of endotoxin, which we did using our assay, and then to combine that with a therapy, which we just finished the trial doing now for FDA registration. And as the co-inventor of the endotoxin activity assay, can you describe what's going into the company's uh, torimixin device? Is that, is that how you pronounce it? Yes, torimixin. Torimixin. So... We have, as you pointed out, Spectral owns the assay, which is FDA cleared and is, in fact, used all over the world. It is the only assay that works in whole blood to identify the levels of endotoxin present. The Toramixin column was invented in Japan and by the Torre Industries company, which is a very large, man, primarily manufacturing company, but has a small medical group that was doing dialysis cartridges, so they knew of this kind of technology. But it was very innovative, and that is they, they took a cartridge, and rather than having it as a dialysis cartridge where you have a semi-permeable membrane with fluid on one side and blood on the other, this is really a filter where blood goes in, it's cleansed of the endotoxin, and goes out the other end, back into the patient. So the, the way it works is that there's a very specific mesh lining this column, and it's many, many, many layers of this mesh. And onto this mesh is bonded an old antibiotic called polymyxin B, which actually has a very high affinity 
for uh, endotoxin. And so this antibiotic, which actually is toxic if introduced into the blood, is just fine if it's immobilized in this column. Blood goes through it, endotoxin is taken out, blood goes back into the patient, and the patient over a period of time then has a very significant reduction in their endotoxin levels. We've calculated that with the dosage that we suggest, which is two columns, each for two hours, but within a 24-hour window, we'll remove over 90% of the endotoxin present in the bloodstream. So this is what we have licensed, and we have paired that with our very specific diagnostic. So we both diagnose only endotoxin and treat only endotoxin. And what sets it apart makes it stand out, especially in an environment where Ebola and Zika have spurred innovation in blood filtering tech? Well, this one has been used on 150,000 patients already uh, because it's been approved in Japan and the rest of the world for quite some time. We know that it's absolutely safe, and we know that there are a lot of reports suggesting it's very effective in reducing mortality. If you look at any of the other viral, because both Ebola and Zika are viruses, I think Ebola, <clears throat> they've, been, they've treated one patient with the Athlon device. I don't think they've treated any patients with Zika virus yet with, with any devices. So what I would say is that this is a very mature product with a proven track record. The others are interesting and hopefully will become equally as effective as the Tormixin column is. Tormixin, this is a very specific column. It only takes out endotoxin, really doesn't interfere with anything else uh, in the bloodstream. And you've submitted and the FDA has cleared one of two preclinical modules as you seek pre-market approval for Torimixin device in the U.S. What other regulatory clearances are you looking at? Well, this is a, this is a device. So the regulatory pathway is called a PMA. Mm -hmm. PMA has four modules. The first two modules are the preclinical studies. The third module is the manufacturing module. And the fourth module is the clinical study report. So the FDA has, in fact, been helpful to us by allowing us to submit modules one, two, and three prior to module four to the completion of our uh, clinical trial report. What this means is, is that with positive results in the clinical trial, the, the pathway through the rest of the regulatory hurdle will be shorter than if we had to put in all four modules essentially at the end of the trial. And what other regulatory clearances do you have worldwide right now? Well, Spectral has worldwide rights to the diagnostic, and it's approved in Europe with a CE mark, and it's approved in a number of different countries, including India, probably 24 or 25 countries around the world. Spectral has the license, the exclusive license to the Torimixin column for North America. So we do not have rights to the column in the rest of the world. So our focus is entirely on North America. The product, actually, the column is also CE marked and approved in, in a multiple, of, multiple other countries and is being used there in conjunction often with our diagnostic, just as we've done in our trial in the United States. And reimbursement coverage can be as important as regulatory clearance for med tech firms in the changing economy. What progress has Spectral made in terms of reimbursement coverage, and where are you looking to go with that? Well, we have had commercial organizations do market research, interview doctors, 
you know, pharmacy groups within the hospitals, payors, etc. One of the important aspects of sepsis is actually enshrined in the Affordable Care Act. So the Affordable Care Act says that if a patient acquires sepsis within the institution, say following a procedure, et cetera, et cetera, then the hospital is entirely responsible for paying for the care of that patient. Mm. And the outcomes for patients with such sepsis have to be reported publicly on an annual basis with the concept that if the quality reports are not good enough, the hospital may face the clawing back of DRGs for sepsis. So this distinguishes between somebody coming in with a, perhaps an early form of sepsis in the emergency department, you know, with, with an infection that gets treated, as opposed to our patients, which are all in the intensive care unit. They are all in multiple organ failure, which they all develop within the institution. So basically, all of our patients are going to be outside of the normal DRGs used for reimbursement for sepsis. So that's, you know, that's the situation we are at in right now. The final workings of this will be accomplished when the trial is completed, the results are understood, and the effect of the, the effectiveness in reducing mortality and the pharmacoeconomics of this intervention. Because in addition to saving lives, this column has been shown to very significantly improve other organ functions, including renal, pulmonary, and of course cardiac. So there may be a component of this that we don't know yet, but will all be will all be at least part and parcel of the overall cost of this or end user price for this product. All right, and in February, you raised $10.5 million in an oversubscribed round of financing. How much have you raised in total now, and do you have anything on the horizon? We've raised, since I have been here, approximately $70 million. We will have spent, in the end, probably $50 million on the clinical trial, and these are round numbers. Mm -hmm. We have money now to finish our trial, which we actually have now finished. As We put a press release out on Monday stating that the trial was fully enrolled and no more patients would be enrolled. Mm -hmm. We are in a situation where this is an attractive product for larger companies that have an, a, a hospital-based sales force. So there's no question there's significant interest in our product, and therefore this may lead to some sort of partnership or M&A activity. However, we are also making all the preparations necessary to take this to market ourselves so that with positive results, which we anticipate by the end of September, and with the idea that we would be developing our own sales and marketing force, obviously we would have a capital raise at that point. However, that would be at a, hopefully a significantly different share price than we are right now. All right. And is there anything else in the pipeline for Spectral or anything else you wanted to add? Well, there's two other things, I would say. The application of this column requires a pump, and we've used commercially available dialysis pumps throughout our trial, but this is far more complex 
the, the dialysis machines are far more complex than necessary to do the hemoperfusion that we do. So we have, in fact, developed our own pump, which will be resident in the intensive care unit, which is very straightforward, essentially a plug-and-play for the use of our hemoperfusion device, and it's now in front of the FDA for 510 clearance. So that's a very important component. That means we have a very complete package, which includes the diagnostic, the therapeutic, and the instrumentation required to deliver it. The second area is, yes, we, we have done basic research in new column development. We have activities with some academic institutions looking at new hemoperfusion devices, not for the area of sepsis necessarily, well, certainly nothing for endotoxin removal because we have the best, mm-hmm. but in the area of immunotherapy and other very specific applications of hemoperfusion devices. The other area of expansion is that endotoxin complicates a number of other disease processes that include chronic renal failure, inflammatory bowel disease, acute hepatitis, or liver failure. So we are already doing preliminary trials using our diagnostic in these areas when we determine the role of endotoxin. These will be subject to clinical trials that would further extend the application of the endotoxin removal device. All right, Dr. Walker, I appreciate you talking to us today. Did you have anything else to say? No, I think that's so. We appreciate the opportunity to tell our story. Uh, we're very proud of what we've developed. It's the, we're the smallest company ever to do a sepsis trial, and it is a unique trial by its combination of the device and therapeutic, and we feel that we've made some significant progress in segmenting the etiology of sepsis and potential therapies. All right. Well, thank you again, and I hope you have a fantastic day, Dr. Walker. Thank thank you very much.